Hello everyone, and welcome back to Talking Tolkien. Today is a very special episode, and I do not mean that Chase is going to get cancer and we're going to learn the value of life in oh, an no. attempt to win an Emmy Award. Uh, what? I'm going to have to make very math special now. Episode. It's, it's, it's a term, Katie. <sighs> I guess it's more about like teaching kids stranger danger, but regardless... Uh, it's not the last episode we're going to do, but today is the last episode of our journey in, in a lot of ways, because today we're discussing the last chapter of Lord of the Rings, the Grey Havens, being chapter nine of book two of The Return of the King. So, uh, today is October 13th, and we set out on... January 3rd, 2015, to read The Silmarillion, The Hobbit, and The Lord of the Rings, uh, chapter by chapter. And here we are. How many days is that? A lot. I mean, it's under two years, so there you go. Yep. So uh, here we are uh, at the end of all things. Hmm. Actually, that was that was chapter three of book yeah, two. Was... This is chapter <laughs> nine of book two. That was a couple chapters ago. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a little crazy. And so, yeah, we're here to talk about, at least as a chapter, we're here to talk about the last one for the last time. So I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. And I finished another Tolkien book. You did. I mean, minus the appendices, of course. While standing on the subway, keeping myself from falling over and crying at the same was, time. So it was great. I was yeah, I was just going to say, did you did you also weep profusely on the subway because this chapter? All right, I've just run the numbers and that's uh 649 days. Wow. Yeah. So, we actually started reading and recording a little bit before that, but this is like episode to episode has been 649 days. Yeah. Which according to Wolfram Alpha is the amount of time it takes an elephant to gestate. So. <laughs> All right. Somewhere out there today an is an elephant being born yeah. that was conceived when we released the first episode that, of Talking Tolkien. I That's feel pretty honored. Great. <laughs> well, and also like it is a we technically we technically started recording in 2014 because we had didn't we like record like on New three Year's like episodes in December, yeah. or something to like get under a no. belt before we actually released anything. No, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure we recorded our first episode on New Year's Eve because we recorded oh. the episode and then we had a party. That's right. I, yes, that's that's exactly correct because we had the party at my place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and recorded it. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is also ninety four percent of the um, of a, of a Martian year, so almost a full revolution around the sun for the planet Mars. Although I do like the elephant gestation period. That's a the best. Bit better. Yeah, that's the that's best one. Great. As a comparison. So. Um, Enough about us, though. <laughs> Katie, uh, what is our elvish word of uh, of of, of this, this meeting, this session? And what happens on today, October 13th? So I will start with today in Middle Earth on October 13th. Rewinding, as I always do, just a few days back to the 7th in the year 3018, uh, the the hobbits and Strider are running from Amonsul, running from uh, Weathertop. On that same day, a year later, the hobbits are leaving Rivendell for the Shire. And on that same day, another year later, Frodo is feeling ill 
Uh, and this, of course, being one day after Frodo was s- stabbed on Weathertop. Uh, let's see. On the 9th, back in the year 2941, in the Hobbit story, um, the, Bilbo and the dwarves are leaving Lake Town. Uh, on the 10th, uh, back into 3018, the Hobbits and Strider are currently in the wild. And on the 12th, the Hobbits and Strider are heading to Rivendell. And meanwhile, Glorfindel is pursuing three Black Riders. Uh, And that brings us to today on the 13th, a couple of different years. In the year 2941, Bilbo, Feely, Keely, and Balin were uh, scouting up to River Running uh, to try and, and, and they're going part of the way towards the front gate of uh, the mountain in the year 3018 Frodo crosses the bridge we remember that great moment and then in the year 3019 Gandalf and the hobbits are headed to Bree after passing Weathertop on their way back from Rivendell you know what's funny is Katie this is probably the first one you've had to do where you didn't have to worry about spoiling anything for me yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I suppose that is true. Well, I will tell you, though, that there is one thing that I left out, uh, and it's because, I mean, it, it, it takes place many, 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 many years after the conclusion of this book, but I mm-hmm. still felt like I didn't want to say it. So if you want to know, you can look into the appendices or read the Unfinished Tales. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to spend some time, and I'm going to dig through the um, appendices because... I think our p- current plan right now is we're going to watch the movie mm-hmm. and then we kind of we'll have we're going to kind of have another wrap up episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to probably dig into the appendices a little bit and probably pull out some stuff for that. Oh, yeah. Also, since uh, I don't really have another book to read right now. So. <laughs> uh, and so that will bring us to the Elvish word of the day. And the word that I chose is one that probably a lot of people know. And it is uh, a a Quenyan word, and it is an interjection, and the word is namarie. I wonder if anyone knows what it means. Repeat it one more time. Namarie. I have no idea. It means farewell or be well, literally. Oh, oh, that's perfect. That's appropriate. Isn't it? Yes, isn't it? Perfect mm. for this chapter. All right. Well, Chase, what happened last week? Well, some sour stuff. That since we read that ep- chapter and we did the episode, I have allowed to digest, and I feel a lot better about. I don't feel better in the sense of like, oh, yeah, it was great. I mean, in the way of like, I I appreciate it more now. But basically, the hobbits got back to the Shire and everything was crazy in the sense that since they left, other outside powers came into play and were taking control of the Shire and things went really terrible and a lot of bad people were allowed to basically run amok in the Shire and the Shire was also not producing the type of weed it needed to produce. <laughs> and the trees were stripped away. And I feel like I'm kind of like not going into too much detail. It's it, <laughs> The point being that the Shire was overrun by Saruman. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and the 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 hobbits basically fought back and managed to take back the shire based using based basically using the knowledge that they had learned upon their journey uh and then saruman was killed by Wormtongue at the end and it was frodo was kind of not happy about any of it <laughs> Yeah, and that brings us to today. Like I said, the end. So uh, what do you do after you come home and find out that everything has been ransacked uh, after you throw out the ransackers? <laughs> you, you, you clean up and you rebuild. You put the pieces back together and you call your insurance people. What is what is the what are the insurance people for Hobbiton or for the Shire? It's in its entirety. I don't know. It'd be something like Lead Bottom Insurancers. I don't know. What? No, you know what it is now. It's the Travelers. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's what they call gypsies in Ireland. But that's also what they called our Hobbit friends, who uh, did indeed leave the Shire and travel. <laughs> who traveled far and wide to study geography and history for a book they're writing about the natural world yep mm-hmm. yep <laughs> so they release all the prisoners who were who were in the lock holes of michael delving uh and there's even a little note given to good old lobelia mm-hmm. who kind of redeems basically was yeah she's devastated by the news of lotho's death and well, a murder and refuses to go back to the house. And then it says that she died. She went back to her uh, her her hometown and gave Bag End back to Frodo. And when she died, in fact, she had left all of her wealth to Frodo to help hobbits made homeless by the trouble. Yeah, it like during which her... is... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to get at it. It like, sounds like while during the time that she was in prison, she had a lot of soul searching to do. Mm-hmm. And that seems to have been reflected hey, in this. sister, soul, sister. <laughs> Better search your soul, sister. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Lobelia, what a nice turnaround for her, and what a what a great moment of redemption, and what another great example of, uh, you know, f- finding the good in people and being able to reach the good in people. Uh, because she did, in the end, uh, do something quite noble, even though she never had. We had never known her to do such a thing in all of her living days. Uh, but in her death, uh, she helped She helped the homeless, which is great. So uh, It also sa- says that they released the uh, mayor. Mm-hmm. But it would be a long while before he was in, in health enough to be able to really go about his mayoral duties. They appointed a deputy mayor, none other than Mr. Frodo Baggin. Mm-hmm. No one better. Who, no one better. Who, who didn't really do anything, excepting that he reduced the number of the sheriffs back to their proper order and functioning mm-hmm. and kind of you know, restored stuff a little bit. I do find it a little curious that in this whole thing, nobody really uh, cared about Frodo. He like wasn't fighting. like He wasn't leading the fight like Merry and Pippin, and he wasn't even really gathering troops like sam was he was just being like hey don't kill people okay yeah mm-hmm. but they're like of all, he was still the one that they chose to be deputy mayor so i'm wondering if you know because in the at the end of the last chapter it said it was really tearing up sam that nobody knew how 
how famous Frodo was and what Frodo had done. So, like, I'm wondering, is this just because, like, Frodo is the master of Bag End and it's kind of been established that that's, you know, one of the higher houses of Hobbiton, of the Shire? Or is it because, you know, news and understanding of Frodo's deeds have become more widely understood? Well, and I don't really know because that idea is kind of a little conflicting because as Sam notes in this chapter, um, you know, he's... He's kind of distraught that Frodo isn't being honored as he should be. And it's because, you know, people don't really know his story. Um, And also, you know, Frodo is uh, pretty reserved and quiet and kind of withdraws into himself. Um, So he's not really lauded as this hero that we, the reader, know him to be. Um, And, you know, before he left, there was talk about, oh, that Frodo Baggins, he's such a weirdo. Uh, (laughs) So... It's interesting, but I think there's also there's also respect for Frodo, and there's a uh, a knowledge that he's a uh, he he's he's always spoken fairly and had kind of this like f- noble quality about him and kindly quality about him. So yeah, I get what you mean, though. Uh, but Frodo, yeah, Frodo's. Uh, kind of acts as deputy mayor as you said are not really much than to kind of restore the sheriffs back to their back to their right roles which is ultimately in a way what the shire and the hobbits kind of need right now is yeah in, in many ways this whole book has been like everything is changing and then like the, with the hobbits and stuff it seems like you know what they kind of need right now is just kind of go back to the way things were <laughs> just briefly yeah, go, right right well Boy, if only Tolkien could have written the uh, series finale for Downton Abbey. <laughs> the, uh, um, but they're they're very much hard at work during this entire time. Uh, Sam, who I've always imagined so much more as a fidgeter in so many ways, is keeping himself extremely busy. In fact, Sam seems like the most busy of hobbits during this mm-hmm. whole thing. Like everything in this entire book has been. Sam being the most busy of hobbits. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, so specifically what they do is they tear down that line of kind of like houses that had been built near Bag End and they kind of rebuild the hill and dig new holes and they even restore the gaffer and they you know plant a new line of trees. And, and uh, importantly, they find the stores of food and supplies and beer that had been hidden by... Well, yeah, that too. Well, I was going to say... <laughs> The, they can't decide what to call this new row. And so they first think Battle Gardens or maybe Better Smiles. Smile being, you know, the name for a hobbit hole. It's just discussed in chapter two of book one. Um, and then it just says, but after a while in sensible hobbit fashion, it was just called New Row. Mm-hmm. It was a purely bywater joke to refer to, to it as Sharky's End. Sharky's End is a great pun. So, it is. It really is. It's a really great pun. Aren't you glad that uh, at the end of this book we get a really great pun, especially there, for for this group of people? There, as as a serious as a serious reader of Tolkien, I do not appreciate or understand <laughs> the appeal of puns. <laughs> All I can say is Tolkien. We are in the last chapter, and Tolkien is still like getting surprising getting to me. You? Yeah, still mm-hmm. not only surprising me, but but getting to me. You know, like reaching inside of me and and. 
like not only stirring up emotions, but also just doing the things that I have loved this entire time in like one chapter. Mm-hmm. But remember, what was it that had really bothered and tormented Sam the most? Trees getting torn apart. Yeah. So what ha- what happens here? So one day, Sam seem like remembers this this gift that he had been given by Galadriel and he opens the box and shows it to his fellow travelers as I said before that's what they had come to be called and uh, shows them what's inside this box that he had never really looked in before and he finds inside of it this kind of really fine gray dust and a very small silver seed and he doesn't really know what to do with it. Um, he doesn't know what he's going to do. But I really like Frodo's response. Uh, because Sam is kind of like, well, what am I going to do with this? Um, and, you know, I don't know if I am if I would use it correctly. Or if I would use it, you know, I don't know if, you know, surely Galadriel doesn't want me to use this for my own benefit. And Frodo's response to this is so great. He says, use all the wits and knowledge you have of your own, Sam, and then use the gift to help your work and better it. Which, that line alone encompasses everything that our hobbits have been doing throughout this entire story. Uh, You know, using their own wits, but also being cultivated by... Uh, by Gandalf, by their interactions uh, with, you know, men and elves and dwarves. I just, I really love that line and what the significance that I can find in it. So, yeah, it's what Sam decides, what Sam does is he goes around just replanting trees and anywhere he plants a tree, he basically just takes a single grain of this soil, this fine soil, and places it at the base of the tree before he plants it and he has just a little bit left and so he goes to the three farthing stone which is basically the center of the shire and just kind of throws the rest up into the air and lets the wind take it away and uh what should happen but all of the trees grow at a remarkably fast rate it's almost well, he also, in particular, he takes that silver seed from the box and plants it in the party field, which remember the great party tree where, you know, if you're going to have a party, it's going to be where the party tree is. And it had been, you know, hewn down. So that silver... For no reason. It was not even for the wood. It was... Yeah. For no reason whatsoever. Um And so, yeah, that's where he plants the silver seed. And he doesn't know what's going to come of it. And, you know, even kind of doesn't, tries not to think about it uh, for a while. But then, yeah, you know, like you said, this, this gray dust that helps the trees, you know, grow like super fast and super beautiful. And sure enough, when uh, he goes back to the party field uh, to kind of check up on this, what is there? But a sapling. That that mm-hmm. grown pretty fast too, mm-hmm. but not any old sapling. Yeah, this is a this is this is a special a special tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did it look like? 
Ed Silver Thomas Bart, the Tank Engine. One. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thomas Thomas the Tank Engine. Did you say? Yes. Yes, that's what I said. I I have no idea why that would be your answer, but okay. <laughs> uh, it it looks like the it looks a lot like the uh, massive trees that comprise that make up Lorien. Yes. Yes, basically. Because oh yeah, it is. Be- in fact, it's the only one in this part of the world. Yeah. I- so. Yeah, it's a silver bark and had long leaves and burst into golden flowers in April. And so, yeah, we're told that it in it was indeed a, a malorn, which, of course, are the trees that make up La Florian, as you said, and that also, um, just for a little bit more knowledge, uh, they previously had only grown in Amman, Numenor, and the northwestern lands of Middle-earth. So, of course, in La Florian. And remember... When Frodo uh, touched one of them in Lothlorien, do you remember what he said? He said that he can feel the life of the tree. Mm-hmm. Which is we- pretty nice. Yeah, and uh, so things are looking up. It says they had a splendid year, and for a while, Sam was staying with uh, the Cottons, and then when Frodo gets everything fixed up and they, they move the gaffer in and Sam goes back into their new house in their old location. And so Sam is kind of the chief gardener for the Shire and everything's going on well. And every once in a while, Mary and Pippin pop in and they bring all the furniture back and kind of get everything back together. And then Sam says, uh, well, so... Frodo, after restoring back end to what it was, says to Sam, when are you going to move in? <laughs> and oh, Sam's a little... But before we before we get to that, though, I want to uh, touch on, because I think we skipped over... Da, 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 da. That all the kids were blonde-haired, and that was a weird thing for the hobbits? <laughs> no, not that, but but yeah, that is, that is odd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there's... So it's... Um, so while, you know, as you said, uh, Sam kind of goes back to, to New Row with the gaffer and he's um, this chief gardener and also is, you know, attending to the trees and whatnot. Um, so he's often away and uh, there's a, a time in really early in March and Frodo was was had taken ill and Farmer Cotton found Frodo. It says, lying on his bed, and he was clutching a white gem that hung on a chain around his neck, and he seemed half in a dream. And so Frodo's kind of muttering, and he says, it is gone forever, and now all is dark and empty. And of course, when Sam gets back, Frodo has recovered, and he doesn't say anything about it. Uh, but, you know, first... I mean, not not the first instance, because we've seen you know Frodo in a daze before... Um, but you know, another instance of Frodo, some Frodo not being, um, completely himself and having these episodes. Yeah. It's like the first tendrils back to, uh, he, in a way, Frodo is still on the journey. Did mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Still on that path. Yeah. But then, yeah, like you said, John, um, 
Frodo is asking Sam if he's going to move into Bag End with him. And Sam is a little bashful, and he's like, well, actually... Sorry, there's a siren. I'm going to let it pass. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I heard it. And Sam is a little bashful, and he's like, well, actually... <laughs> Uh, you remember Rosie Cotton? Well, we had been speaking a little bit before I left with you, <laughs> and then we've been speaking a lot now, and we're going to get married, so, yeah. And then Frodo's like, that's, Frodo kind of smiles, and he's like, dude, have you seen how big this house is? <laughs> Come on in! <laughs> yeah. Plenty of room. Play room for everyone. They also the kids. You're gonna have kids, right? Like a million of Rosie them. Rosie Cotton, come on down. And one of them's gonna be named after me, right? It better not be a girl, right? <laughs> but and and yeah, and we should all know uh, just how much room there is in Bag End because, like, how many kitchens are there, and how many larders, and how many you know nice, comfortable bedrooms and and such. So yeah, there's plenty of room. Come on and down. I, Bring the whole family. And how many damn dwarfs Pretty got well. to sit in there during that during I, that party at the beginning exactly, of the Exactly. <laughs> exactly. How many dwarves could fit in there and a wizard? <laughs> 13 in a single room plus a wizard plus a Bilbo. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. Plenty of room for uh for the Gamgee Cottons. <laughs> <laughs> so, everything's looking great and it says Sam and Rosie got married in the spring of 1420, which was famous for its weddings. It was also famous for its beer. Yes. Hell yes. And this is where we uh, talk about, uh, you know, just how good this year is. Everything has kind of been fixed up by this point. And Frodo resigns the office of deputy mayor and there are banquets. And it says Mary and Pippin live together in Crick Hollow. But they, you know, they came and visited all the time and were known for throwing great parties. And, you know, were just kind of like interesting because they had stories and, and here- dressed in mail. And- yeah. And so here's this contrast that we're given because Frodo has withdrawn even more um, and kind of, you know, stays to himself, goes over his notes um, and is kind of kind of reclusive almost. And uh, give contrast to that, like you said, we have Merry and Pippin who have become these kind of great heroes in the Shire Um be, you know with their songs and stories and their cheerful nature and also their uh their odd dress and uh they're kind of seen as lordly by mm. the folk in the shire which is pretty great and because they they are kind of you know like it's true they're 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 bigger than your average hobbit now um but they also i i like i like the conclusion of that though it says and if they were now large and magnificent, they were unchanged otherwise, unless they were indeed more fair-spoken and more jovial and full <laughs> of merriment than ever before. So our dear Merry and Pippin uh, may be more lordly, but they're still the same at heart. Yep. But it's jokesters. And uh, <laughs> so as, as Frodo kind of keeps withdrawing, um, one day Sam kind of stumbles upon him in his study, and Frodo looks very, very... sickly mm-hmm. and Sam of course goes into Sam mode and asks what's wrong and Frodo says I'm wounded it will never really heal and this is when Sam realizes uh, 
It's two years to the day since Frodo had been stabbed. But time continues on, and Frodo gets better, and then he gets ill again in March. Uh, so what happened in March? I can't think of anything that happened. Yeah, March. was there any, anything significant that happened in March? I don't know. I mean, well, and so in 1421, Sam and Rosie have their first child, who was supposed to be named after Mr. Frodo, but who turned out to be a girl. I think Frodo's but... could be a girl name. <laughs> I think I think but it'd be Frodo. I think it'd be a girl's name. Yeah, Froda or something. But 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 so Sam notes this twenty fifth of March, uh, and the baby girl is born. And uh, what's important about this date? I feel like something happened on the twenty fifth of March. It's New Year's. Oh, that's when the king. That was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. My brain died on me for a second. That's when the ring was destroyed, right? Hey! Yeah. <laughs> Downfall of Sauron oh, on the 25th of March. <laughs> yeah. So how fortuitous that uh, that Sam and Rosie's first child should be born on this date. Yep. But of course, the name the naming of her is so great too, because you know, as Sam said, they you know they wanted to name her Frodo but uh hey she's a girl and so now what am I gonna name her Mr. Frodo and so Frodo kind of says well name her after a flower that's kind of what all the girl hobbits are named you know um and Sam says well it has to be really beautiful and so Frodo suggests Eleanor Carly Simon what he said really beautiful <laughs> okay <laughs> but sorry Frodo suggests Eleanor, Eleanor. as Katie was saying yeah um, which is the sun star, which are the little golden flowers in mm-hmm. the grass of Lothlorien. Oh, so appropriate. So pretty. So perfect. So appropriate. It's so perfect for, for Sam, for any child of Sam's. Um, but yeah, fast forward another six months and... Frodo kind of calls Sam into the study and notes that there's another uh, specific day that's coming up. And it's that Bilbo's 131st birthday is coming up on Thursday. And so what's important about 131 in particular? What will Bilbo have achieved at turning 131? Okay, you say it. You will have surpassed the old Took. The old Took, that's yes. right. I couldn't, for some reason, I could not remember the old Took. Like, I couldn't remember his name right then. And that but w- also, it will be 20 years to the day since Bilbo left the ring to Frodo. Mm-hmm. Gosh, 20 years have taken place in this book. Yeah, well, because chapter two is 17. That's true. Yeah. I mean, yep. cheating. <laughs> but, um, you know, more importantly, though, Frodo wants to go visit Bilbo wants to see him for his birthday and so he asks Sam uh, can you can you come away with me just for a fortnight just see me off and there's this another really interesting exchange that I very much enjoy that happens here and Sam kind of talks about feeling you know, like wanting to go to Rivendell and wanting to go with Frodo to see Bilbo. Um, but at the same time, he really just wants to stay here. And he says, I am that torn in two. And Frodo's response is so telling. 
uh, of kind of what Frodo's experience is. And he says, poor Sam, it will feel like that, I am afraid, said Frodo, but you will be healed. You were meant to be solid and whole, and you will be. Uh, of course, kind of not saying, but hinting at, you know, Sam, you you will heal. You will be okay. Yeah. But I... I won't be okay. Yeah. Not now, not ever. Yeah. And so, you know, more indication of this now, Frodo gives a couple of things to Sam. He gives him the keys uh, to Bag End, and he gives him a certain book. Bound in red leather. Mm-hmm. And I love this. Uh At the beginning, there were many leaves covered with Bilbo's thin, wandering hand, but most of it was written in Frodo's firm flowing script. Mm-hmm. It was divided into chapters, but chapter 80 was unfinished. And after that were some blank leaves. I want to... Can I read this, the name of it? Yes. My Diary, My Unexpected Journey, There and Back Again, and What Happened After. Adventures of Five Hobbits, The Tale of the Great Ring, compiled by Bilbo Baggins from his own observations and the accounts of his friends, what we did in the War of the Ring. And so then, you know, that clearly had all been written by Bilbo. And uh, then under that, we have something written by Frodo. The most Tolkien-ass thing I have ever read, (laughs) I have to be honest. The downfall of the Lord of the Rings and the return of the king, as seen by the little people being the memoirs of Bilbo and Frodo of the Shire, supplemented by the accounts of their friends and the learning of the wise, together with extracts from books of lore translated by Bilbo in Rivendell. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, quite. Honestly, my favorite part of this, though, is in reading this, there's a line where it says chapter 80 was unfinished. Like as we're reading this, the narration is shifting from Frodo to Sam and Sam is telling us. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And this, you know, because this is that, you know, actual legitimate textual reveal that, you know, I mean, it's, it's not like you didn't know it, but the reveal that the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings are, uh, compilations of Bilbo and Frodo and Sam's writings. Well, also, if you needed any, like, clearer proof that Tolkien was professionally a philologist. Yes, this is it. Like, nobody would go into this great detail. <laughs> yep. But, you know, like... Yeah. I, I have to be honest, if if I ever wrote a book, I would kind of want it to have a title like that. It's, that's a pretty grand title, as it should be. You I know, like... This w- is... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, just, just that this, you know, this... This entire history, this entire story of these hobbits is grand, and it it is deserving of such a grand title. I I love it. My diary, my unexpected <laughs> and fresh, glazed and deglazed again, <laughs> and what happened after? Adventures of Five Meats, the tale of the Great Pineapple Ring, compiled by Chase Smith from his own observations and the accounts of his friends. What we ate in the War of the Ring. <laughs> there we go. We're gonna write no, that. It, no, it'd be it would be what we ate in the War of the Rind. Hey, <laughs> I finally got a good one in. 
<laughs> it took the entire time. Uh, but yeah, no. When he when he hands this to Bam, to Bam, but, who's, Bam? who's Bam? Is Bam uh, is Bam a friend of Perry? Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't thought about Perry in a while. Um, when he hands this to Sam, Sam was like, "Oh, you finished it." And Frodo's like, not quite. The last pages are for you. And it's very sweet. Mm-hmm. And so uh, on September the 21st, they set out together. Um, Frodo's on a pony that he had named Strider. Yeah. Which is great detail. This is, the, this is the pony he rode all the way home from Minas Tirith. Mm-hmm. And Sam is on some ragamuffin. No, Sam's on Bill. You do not besmirch the name of Bill the Pony. Just Bill the Fernie. <laughs> Uh, so they're just writing, and at one point they, cra- they cross a tree, and Sam was like, Mr. Frodo, isn't that the very tree you hid behind mm-hmm. when the Black Rider first showed up? It seems like a dream now. And then they just kind of keep going on, and then Frodo is singing a song that Sam recognizes, but something about it is a little different. Yeah, so this this walking song that we've heard sung before... Um, and that evolves a little bit with each singer, you know, the little words change here and there, but this, these are, the words are even more different this time. Uh, and these are still more even telling words of kind of Frodo's plan that he, of course, has not yet revealed. Um, a new road or a secret gate, you know, um. I shall take the hidden paths that run west of the moon, east of the sun. And they are, you know, continuing on and Frodo is kind of softly singing this. And so this song is then kind of returned with another song that we've heard before. Um, uh, El Bareth Gilthoniel, which of course we know to be this uh, hymn to, to Varda. And sure enough we are going to run into some elves yep not just any uh elves mm-hmm. though uh it the is big Gilder time elves. and elrond and galadriel and yeah a whole bunch of people but we we get a detail that i've talked about a lot mm-hmm. but only kind of extra textually we finally get this detail within the text uh, so it says Elrond was wearing a mantle of gray and had a star upon his forehead and upon his finger was a ring of gold with a great blue stone Vilya, mightiest of the three but Galadriel sat upon a white palfrey and was robed in glimmering robes like clouds about the moon on her finger was Nenya, the ring wrought of Mithril that bore a single white stone flickering like a frosty star. So we have and then two of the three. Beh- yes, and riding behind them is Bilbo, kind of sleepy on a tiny little pony. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and it says actually that Frodo saw that they were wearing them in open because Frodo previously was able to see them being a ring bearer himself. Mm-hmm. But now they're not... You, now, now the rings are not concealed. Mm-hmm. Because... You know, of course, the, the rings no longer actually contain magic. Yeah, and there's also no reason to—I mean, there's no reason to hide them anymore because, of course, 
uh, the thing that held the magic has been destroyed, and thus the thing, uh, the one who s- who sought the the thing that held the magic <laughs> is no longer of any concern to know that these three rings exist. And that all being yeah. a very roundabout way of saying that, you know, th- they couldn't reveal uh, to Sauron that these three rings existed and that they were the keepers. Um, so now we live in much different times. Yeah. And so Aron greets them and Galadriel goes to Sam and smiles and mm-hmm. says, I hear and see that you have used my gift well. The Shire shall now be more than ever blessed and beloved. Yay. And at, at, at this point, I mean, one, Sam is struck by how beautiful he is, but he's also just like struck by the uh, enormity of what she has just said. Mm-hmm. And then Bilbo kind of wakes up and he's like, oh, hi, Frodo. Guess what <laughs> happened today? <laughs> I surpassed the old Took. And then Bilbo says something. I mean, I, I said it last week. I, I can't ever read this chapter without sobbing profusely. Uh, and this is kind of the first the first uh, note in this chapter that really, really gets me. And Bilbo says, uh, and now I think I'm quite ready mm-hmm. to go on another journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, we know what that journey is and asks Frodo, are you coming? And Frodo, of course, affirms that he is and that the ring bearers should go together. And now it's now that Frodo reveals to Sam uh, this this plan that he had not been quite forthwith. He is going to the Havens. And, of course, Sam can't come with him. Not now, at least. Well, because he says you were, although you were a ring bearer, if only for a while, mm-hmm. and your time may come, mm-hmm. but do not be too sad, Sam. Not always be torn in two. You'll have to be one and whole for many years. You have so much to enjoy and to be and to do. Yeah, uh, I like. There's and then Sam is kind of doing that thing where he's like, but. You promised you're going to enjoy the Shire again. Well, because... We saved this. We did this to save the Shire. Yeah, and that's, you know, Sam having been kind of distraught that Frodo wasn't receiving recognition in the Shire for all that he had done. And, you know, well, we, we, we set out to save the Shire, Mr. Frodo, and you've done that, and you should be able to enjoy it too. But Frodo, as we've seen, has not been recognized for... Uh, for what he's done and it's because when when you think about it Frodo saved the world right um he set out to save the world and to preserve the goodness in the world uh so that it could continue and and in so doing he did save the Shire but really when we think about it who saved the Shire it was really Sam and Mary and Pippin because they took the Shire and returned it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, this whole journey for Frodo has not really been about so that he could come back home. Um, because psychologically, emotionally, physically, this journey for Frodo, I mean, he, he's, he's said it. He's, he's been wounded and he will never heal. 
and he respond he says to Sam here he says I've been too deeply hurt Sam I tried to save the Shire and it has been saved but not for me it must often be so Sam when things are in danger someone has to give them up lose them so that others may keep them and that's exactly what Frodo did he's you know he he has done all this sacrifice and uh, saved saved the world indirectly into so doing saving the Shire for for his people for his friends so that they may live in peace uh, but he can't return he's changed and that's like so poignant and so bittersweet that was all of this is like where I started to tear up because yeah <laughs> because again I got another like tendril of like Tolkien's experience probably in World War One as well, right there as well. Mm-hmm. The concept of like somebody having to make the sacrifice so uh, so other one else everyone else could, you know, profit off of it, can uh survive off of it. And mm-hmm. I couldn't help but quite get that vibe like like Sam like Frodo isn't dying, but the Grey Havens are basically like the, he will be beyond you know, reach. Yeah, exactly. He's leaving. Uh, he's them. leaving this world. <laughs> yeah, and no, no, and yeah, you're right. You know this. I mean, to make a very, very dark point, um, you don't come back from an experience as Tolkien did, watching your friends die. Um, you don't come back from that ever being the same. Exactly. Um. And so, yeah, Frodo Frodo came back to the Shire, um, was wounded and will never heal, and he can't he can't stay there. He doesn't belong anymore. And so he is going to go. And Sam now has this charge from Frodo to kind of take off take up where Frodo left off. And, you know, Sam, Sam will be happy and Sam will be whole and we'll have children and we'll even be mayor, perhaps, and be the greatest <laughs> gardener. And also uh, that importantly, as I really enjoy and as I've you know, said of a few things uh, throughout this story before, Sam will read things out of the Red Book and keep alive the memory of the age that is gone so that people will remember the great danger and so love their beloved land all the more. Which is so important. Um, that's why this book exists. Is so that people remember the, 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 the deeds that were done. And um, that people recognize the things that are important. Well, and also so that it, it, it won't happen again. Because um, uh-huh. then we, we we've previously noted that the the downfall of Sauron came from him expecting things to go how the Silmarillion went, and that is and suddenly people got wise and people like Gandalf being around to make sure that didn't happen again. But that was still from the the point of view of having people around like elves and Gandalf who are mm-hmm. timeless to do this stuff and they are gone. Like this this chapter 
Like the next line is the third, like right after this is the third age was over and the days of the rings were passed and an end was come of the story and songs of those. Like those people aren't going to be around anymore to share this stuff. So the hobbits and people who went through this need to, you know, take the elves knowledge Mm-hmm. And this other knowledge on top of it, and make sure that this third age, this new age, um, fourth age, fourth age, four, mm-hmm. uh, that's, uh, I didn't know if that was right, doesn't have the same mistakes. Simply mm-hmm. put, I'm reiterating what you're saying, but yeah, yeah, and so uh, now they continue on and they come to the gates of the gray havens and somebody greets them somebody whose name we should recall gothmog the cruel (laughs) (laughs) we would surprise it's a surprise last boss battle we would be very distraught indeed uh it is cured on the ship cured on the ship right because of course if you're going to the west what do you need Boat Lord, Lord of Boats, Lord of the Boats, Fellowship of the Boat. Lord of the Boats. Turn of the. I think they call that a captain or an admiral. Two boats. Yeah. Return of the boats. Geared on the admiral. No. Um. So he kind of welcomes them to this key in the in the Gray Haven, and uh, guess who else is waiting there for them? Dude. Oh, I didn't mean to say it like Dude that. Dude, all white. <laughs> but. <laughs> Dude all in white on a big white horse. Actually, it says beside a great gray yeah, sorry, great, great gray horse. horse. Yeah. With with Yeah, which is a little interesting. But it's Gandalf. With the yep. ring that he had the entire time. Yes. And yes. A, yeah. a beverage in the other hand, a white Russian. <laughs> uh it's Narya the Great, which has a, a stone upon it red as fire. Mm-hmm. So what uh what 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 does Gandalf say to the Balrog right before that whole thing goes down? Yes, where I had like a like freak a, out. A, I always have a freak out about that moment because it's so great. Yeah, Gandalf says, "I am a servant of the secret fire." This is what they meant. This is what they meant, or what he meant. Well, and you know, and I had you know kind of given a couple of different possible interpretations of it, but yeah. Yeah, I think you know that's that's a veiled a veiled illusion. It hey, I am the bearer of Naria. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you know, like I said at the time, I don't think Gandalf would purposefully reveal to the Balrog that he is uh, that he's a, a, a ring bearer. But um. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised there's not out there somewhere like a fan text that's just a history of Gandalf called the Chronicles of Narya. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, Jonathan. Oh. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, Sam was pretty sad because not only does he have to say goodbye to Frodo, but now he has to say goodbye to, Gal- Gal- I mean, all one well, Gladriel, but also Gandalf. Like, mm-hmm. but what should happen? Who should, who should stumble in at just the right time? Mary and Pippin. Yes. You know, do you remember what happens at the beginning of this book? Mary and Pippin just kind of show up going like, hey, what are y'all doing? Conspiracy. There's right? a conspiracy. Yeah, yeah yep. exactly. There's a conspiracy. So they say, you tried to give us the slump once before and failed, Frodo. This time you've nearly succeeded, but you failed again. 
But last time, it was Sam who helped us figure out. This time, Gandalf told us. Yep. Yeah, because Sam didn't need to ride back to the Shire by himself. Sad. Yeah. A sad sack. It's kind of, it's kind of a, a last kindness of Gandalf for Sam, I think. Um, because, yeah, now instead of one on the way back, there will be three, and they will have their companionship to comfort each other. Um, and... Then, you know, Gandalf breaks all of our hearts, too, because he says, Here at last, dear friends, on the shores of the sea comes the end of our fellowship in Middle-earth. And then he says something which is one of the most important bits of Gandalf wisdom. And you know me and Gandalf wisdom, and I'm not joking when I say, I'm not lying when I say this is one of the most important pieces of Gandalf wisdom. I will not say, do not weep, for not all tears are in evil. This is the part thank- that killed me. Yeah. Thank, thank, thanks, Gandalf, because that makes me feel better when I bawl my eyes out reading this chapter. I was on because the- it's it's so beautiful and it's so perfect. I was on the subway, like, trying to, like, I was, like, trying to, like, stand on my feet. Hold it and, together. And like, and, and, like, tearing up, you know, it was, uh, it was yeah, it was, it was a little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And Frodo kissed goodbye, Merry and Pippin, and last of all, Sam. And then got on the ship. And they sailed off. And Frodo smelled a sweet fragrance and heard the sound of singing. Uh. And, then seemed, and then it seemed to him that as in his dream in the house of Bombadil, the gray rain curtain turned all to silver glass and was rolled back and he beheld white shores and beyond them a far green country under a swift sunrise. Hmm. And if and if that's not the most beautiful couple of sentences that you've ever read, I don't want to talk to you. That's it's astounding. But, <laughs> So Fro- while Frodo is sailing west and towards the sunset, mm-hmm. Sam is heading back east and towards... Sorry, Frodo is heading west. Mm-hmm. Towards the yes. sunrise. Mm-hmm. Wait, yeah. yes, yes. No, but the sunrise is in the east. So that doesn't actually... I, I'm yeah, you are. Myself. But anyway, basically it just says Frodo is... Ri- Frodo isn't embracing a sunrise mm-hmm. kind of personally. Mm-hmm. Whereas... Sam is embracing a, a darkness and a sunset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it said, watching, he, you know, he stood there until there was just no side of the ship left, and his, you know, his, his heart sank. But Mary and Pippin were with him. And when time came, the three t- turned away, never looking back, rode slowly homeward. And so they they ride together silently and, you know, as Gandalf had meant to do, of course, comforted by their friendship and kind of Merry and Pippin go off to Buckland and Sam comes back uh, to Bywater, to the hill, and finally back to Bag End. And uh, Rosie embraces him, sits little baby Eleanor on his lap 
And Sam's final word, the final sentence of this book. So he drew a deep breath. Well, I'm back, he said. That's and it. It's so that's it. But it, it's so simple, but it's so not. Yeah. Because, well, I'm back, yes. But he's back and everything's changed. Mm-hmm. And I think we are supposed to be elated and heartbroken at the same time. And I always am. Well, because the story... Uh, it does whatever great story does, which it leaves you kind of going, there's more, right? I want more. I want more. What happens next? Why did you end there? I want more. Thankfully, Chase, there are like 200 pages of charts and graphs and descriptions (laughs) and family trees. Who begot what? What happened to whom? it's Tolkien and there's more information. There's not more to this story. No, of course not. It ends exactly where it needed to end. Which is like ultimately like the highest praise I can give anything. So I'm such a big stickler for how things end that like if it, it, a perfect ending is so hard to get and, and, and it, a perfect ending should like be exactly where a story should end and it should also be making you wish you had more. Mm-hmm. Unlike some things I've read or some movies I've seen <laughs> where I've ended it going, oh my God, I'm glad I'm so happy it ended because I couldn't stand any more of it. This ended in, in a way, and I think it helped. Also, this chapter was really short. Mm-hmm. I, I flipped on my iPad and was reading this on the butt on the train and then boom, I was done. I still had, a tra- I still had the rest of the train ride to go to think about it, to decompress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's not a lot I have, have to say right now because I think the text speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. There's a lot I have to say on the journey, but I'm going to save that for two weeks from now. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I think I've, I made every point I wanted to make about this chapter except for, oh, except for I forgot, um, so, you know, this group that uh, leaves the Grey Havens on the boat, um, note the representatives that are on it. We have, you know, the elves, the high elves, uh, Gandalf, one of the Astari, we have hobbits. So, you know, uh, representative of kind of these alliances of, of people who had fought for Middle-earth. Um, and note that none of them are men, and that's yeah, because or dwarves. Yeah, or dwarves. Uh, but you know, now now is the the fourth age is beginning. You know, as Gandalf had said before to to Aragorn, the fourth age begins now, and this is now the time of men. And I just think that's a great uh, another great like you know a bit of symbolism for that that we're given in this chapter. Like all these beings that we just don't see because this is this representation of a history that has been forgotten about. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me. Sorry. Just Bless you. <laughs> um, but uh, 
the point being that these is this this is this is these are all of the mythical figures of our pasts, our fantasies, our stories, our childhoods that are leaving us for good, while we all have to go about and make our way into our destiny, our future, all these different things. You could and cobble from that. Continue to preserve this way of life that has been saved for us. So, yeah, this this chapter is... I, I can't I can't really fully put into words what this chapter means. The audience um, can't see Katie think, gesticulating. Yeah, <laughs> just gesticulating wildly with my hands. But I think, yeah, no, John put it best. This chapter speaks for itself. Yeah. Yeah. And so what were your favorites from this final chapter of The Lord of the Rings? Woof. Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> I mean, I have an ultimate favorite, but I think we all share it. But I have a secondary favorite. Okay. So I have two favorites, okay? Okay, that's a lot. So my number one favorite is that line. Um, I will not say... No, it might that is a go in peace. I will not say. Yeah, I will not mm-hmm. say. Do not weep for, for not all tears are evil. Like that. That is, mm-hmm. I I need that line to be repeated to me constantly. Yeah, kind of thing. Well, and to pre echo a point we're gonna make on next week's episode. I'm sure. Uh, there are a lot of problems with the Return of the King movie, but Ian McKellen's ability to deliver that uh, line is not one of them. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. My, my well, second. And, uh, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say my secondary favorite is the throwaway thing about the barley being so fine of beer and malt that was long remembered and became a by byword. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty great moment. Um, yeah, my, my favorite part of this chapter is, you know, what, what Chase already said and what I've, I've already spoken about. And it's that line, I will not say do not weep. Um, and exactly like Chase said, I need to hear that line a lot. And uh, it's, yeah. Thank you, Gandalf. <laughs> uh, I'm back. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty great, too. Well, and just the whole... Frodo tells Sam he can't come because Sam has a life to live. Yeah. And Frodo doesn't. Mm-hmm. Sam has a family and a future, and Frodo needs peace. You guys, this book is. I mean, after two years, it's like it's like I got it after like I didn't quite get it in the Silmarillion. I didn't quite get it in the Hobbit, but I totally got it in the Fellowship well, of the Ring. And then, like at the end of this, I'm like, oh wow, do I even get it more? So, I mean, you know, it's like they're having a deathbed conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And and Frodo is doing that thing that you see people do. Yeah. Where they smile and they're happy because their life is over, but not through the lives of the people they know and love. Yeah. And there's that that's all I can say right now. I've yeah. About, I I think I've always found yeah. that very comforting. <laughs> Just a moment where we're at a loss for words. Uh uh-huh. Well, I'm uh, crying over here. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, no. I yeah. Well, I have a I have a simple and very solipsistic favorite of the week. Uh, I got my cat back. The cat Jack's back. Jack's yeah. the best cat. He didn't live. I know, he really is. And he's already back to his his normal self. Jack Kitty. Jack is the best. I love yeah. that cat. Cuddling me and all that. So he's fantastic. My favorite from the week is a very silly favorite. Um, <laughs> it it pertains to... Uh, so every fall, uh, I have a group of friends that... Uh, we all get together and have a Harry Potter movie marathon spanning several weeks. And uh, this past week was week one of this year's installation of our Harry Potter movie marathon. And so we watched Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets. But we did not watch just any version of Sorcerer's Stone. We watched the Sorcerer's Stone with uh, the the uh wizard people dear reader track which i'm glad y'all finally did that (laughs) yeah i i hadn't ever watched it in its entirety uh with 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 wizard people dear reader i had watched quite a bit of it but i hadn't ever gotten to see the whole thing and it just i laughed and laughed and laughed if you have not listened to it you need to because it's a gem and it's very silly i'm I'm glad y'all are doing that again. I think I, I think because uh, because I was with y'all doing that last year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, you made me feel homesick. <laughs> Usually, always happens when I'm by myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Uh. God, I, I had a lot of stuff happen this week. Um, but I guess like. Like one of the things that um, probably my favorite thing from this week when it comes to like me, I finished, I finished two books this week. I finished this book. Mm-hmm. I also finished another book, which I can't for the life of me remember who wrote it right now, but it's a book called Waiter Rant. Basically, it's this guy's uh, very, very honest, very candid very hilarious like very funny account of being a waiter in a high a fine uh fine dining restaurant and all the stuff of him like it's like his memoir and his, the stuff he dealt with and it's really funny it's also really kind of disturbing in many ways um but yeah i, I got to read it i read it this past few weeks like, i actually read it really fast i've been reading it on subway and it was really interesting um 
that he that guy and I saw saw eye to eye on see a lot of that excuse me see eye to eye on a lot of things. But uh, I highly recommend Waiter's Rant um, if you want a very honest and candid look at what food services is like. And that's really it, really. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, with that, uh, before we sign off, I would like to give a thank you to our Patreon supporters. Uh, Thank you so, so much for donating to the cause and helping us to support our podcast and our editing and our podcast. (laughs) Uh, We really appreciate you so, so much. So thank you to Ryan Hepler, Nathan Klump, Moad Abdul Hamid, Kevin Reynolds, Dana Victor, Jason Savage, Mike Williams, Anna Don Laney, Jiang Fua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Tariq, Ignatius Pendergraf, Devin Mann, Ariel Alm, Adam Kahn, Charlie, Ben Goldstein, Madison Roberts, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Avon McMaster, Jacob Verma, my dad G3, Brian Osborne, and Michael Laney. All right, and uh, join us next week as we watch the final movie in the Lord of the Rings film series, Return of the King. We'll see you then. I'm John, everyone. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. And thank you for having spent the last elephant gestation period. <laughs> Reading along <laughs> with us. <laughs> Dumbo appreciates it. <laughs> Don't you mean Eleanor? Yes, Eleanor. Eleanor the elephant. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at talkingtolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at talkingtolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if we would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page, where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better-sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge, and we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far.